This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the Knapsack File Studios in Studio City, California, aptly named, it is time for another edition of Spotlight Star Wars. I'm Ken Knapsack here on the Knapsack Files podcast feed. We have a lot of shows already here, the Knapsack Files, for some straight forward interviews about life, the universe, and everything. Alicia Malone's Film School, which will return. It's been an unexpected hiatus trying to rearrange our schedules and coordinate our schedules to uh, have the third edition of the Alicia Malone Film School, where the great Alicia Malone teaches me to appreciate classic movies. And there's going to be a new show coming soon to the Knapsack Files podcast feed called I'm Always Up with me and Alex Welsh of SchmoZno.com and Screen Rant, his uh, latest gig. A writer, a great kid, my protege, all the way out there in Iowa. More details on that show soon. I'm always up is the name of that one. So, here we are. Spotlight Star Wars Episode 3, The Revenge of the Spotlight. Now, actually, we're calling this one The Problem with New. And I was going to start the show with a review of uh, the new Star Wars canon comic that came out this week. Issue 1 of... Kanan, the last Padawan, the secret history of Kanan from Star Wars Rebels. And uh, I was going to get into that. We talked a little bit about the Princess Leia comic book series going on um, right now. We talked about that last episode. And uh, it got me thinking, well, I do want to talk about Kanan and what I think about it, my reaction to it. Uh, Then I want to kind of talk about, well, all the new canon and the overload and some of the things we've been... uh, uh, talking about it, whether it be here or maybe on Schmoes No or maybe on Jedi Alliance, that there's so much now. These 20 books that are coming, the the, the Path to Force Awakens, uh, where the sticker book is even canon, the Battlefront video game, which I am very, very eagerly anticipating. That's uh, allegedly canon. Part of the game will factor in the Force Awakens. And it goes on and on and on, and I'm kind of grabbing my head here, my... Uh, head is in my uh, hand as I uh, try to grasp all this canon. And I get it. I'm not criticizing it. I think, like I've said before, you needed to kind of pare down the expanded and very extended universe of Star Wars, kind of make it official, make some things your own as Disney and Lucasfilm, and I am okay with it. Without that, Chewbacca would be dead. He wouldn't be in The Force Awakens. All right? Luke would be uh, trapped in a bitter marriage to Mara Jade. It wasn't that bad. I'm kidding. Um, you know, yes, we might have Thrawn, but, uh, you know, uh, then Episode 7, Force Awakens, wouldn't be about uh, the New Republic or, or the, the new government or whatever they're going to... We don't know the plot details yet. My point being, I, I understand, so I'm not criticizing. I think it's a great idea. There's, We want to get rid of the flying X-Wing bunny. We want to get rid of all that stuff. We want to make new canon. Why dump it all on us at once? 
money, clearly. I'm being cynical, but money, and, and I get it. This is uh, going to be a very profitable summer for Disney, what with their Marvels and Lucasfilm projects and all that stuff going around. So I get it. You want to, and plus it's just exciting, right? You put all that money, $4 billion, into Star Wars and Lucasfilm and all that, you want to get some return, and you want to put stuff out. So I like it. But at the same time, I'm overwhelmed. At the same time, I'm thinking, is all of this really necessary now? Do we need 20 new books, including young adult novels, including sticker books, like I keep saying, including some uh, regular novels and comic books and all that? Do we need 20 of those before The Force Awakens? Can you space this out? I, I'm still, uh, you know, New Dawn and Tarkin, Heir to the Jedi, haven't even, I haven't even purchased Heir to the Jedi I, I, and that was before some of the lukewarm, no pun intended on the Luke, but some of the lukewarm reviews came out. I, I just, I couldn't do it. Plus, with Game of Thrones started, I had some Game of Thrones homework to start. Uh, there is already, for me, a little bit too much of Star Wars. I say that kind of with a smirk. Like I said in episode one of Spotlight Star Wars, it is a great time to be a Star Wars fan. I still hold by that, but at the same time, there's a lot out there, and I already feel myself, my head dipping below the water on uh, what I have to read this summer with these 20 books. What do I have to read? I'm going to read Aftermath. I think I have to read that. And then the uh, comic book series that's going to start that takes place right after Episode 6, Return of the Jedi. I understand I have to read that, but the big question remains, folks. Am I going to get that damn sticker book? All right? And then what if I what if I make choices in that sticker book that don't coincide with canon? What if I put a a speeder bike on the rebel team in the sticker book? Then what do we got? Then what do we do? <laughs> you know, is the sticker book canon? I want to do thirty minutes on if is the sticker book gonna be canon? That's what I want to know. Let's talk about canon, the last Padawan, and we'll start the conversation. That starts us. Then we'll get into the problem with new. I love this comic, Kanan, The Last Padawan. I was looking forward to it. I had some trouble with New Dawn. Um, I had some trouble with Rebels. But uh, the series, the animated series, I've come around on it. At least I like where it's going into uh, Season 2. But I, 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 uh, I am on record as saying that Kanan, Kanan Jarrus, uh, formerly Caleb, Caleb Doom, is is one of my f new favorite additions to the Star Wars universe. He is an intriguing character. He is a Jedi who survived the Great Jedi Purge. He is a hidden Jedi. He had to hide it by by ne necessity, but he also seems to have grown so comfortably into that that by the time you pick up his story in A New Dawn, you don't think, or he doesn't think, he'll ever return to his Jedi ways. He's become a drinking, carousing kind of, uh, not an oaf, but a kind of a just... Kind of a uh, kind of a scoundrel. He's a bit of a scoundrel. And then uh, flash forward. I think it's like five or seven years from a new dawn to the begin of beginning of Star Wars Rebels, and he's flying around with uh, who I think is his not so secret girlfriend Hera. And now he's kind of embracing who he is. Now, if he embraces who he is fully, he he couldn't be in love with Hera. I think they're in love. Can we all agree it's kind of a moonlighting thing, Bruce Willis, Civil Shepherd kind of. Uh, will they, won't they type of thing? Right, I think so. I think they have. I think Kanan and Hera have used the ghost, that ship, for some fun. There's a long time, seven years, to be around. You can just kind of see. I digress. 
So Kanan's a great character. There's some dark darkness to his soul, darkness to the edge of his characters. There's some gray areas that he lives in, but he's got a greater purpose that he's inheriting him, an inheriting within him. And that's intriguing. That's an intriguing storyline. So to find out where he came from, I was on board when I f- heard that they're going to la- launch Kane in the last Padawan. I did not groan. I did not roll my eyes. I was not like, oh, here we go, going back to the time of the Clone Wars. I was excited. There's a lot to tell. Number one, how did this young Padawan survive the Jedi Purge? Order 66. Execute Order 66. How did he survive that? He was a Padawan. What happened to his master? And I love that the, uh, his master is, uh, is a character named, and I have to look it up, I will admit, uh, Depa Bilabob which sounds like she should be returning the ring to Mordor. But um, Depa uh, actually was a uh, Jedi in uh, Phantom Menace. They based it off a character kind of in the background there in the council and uh, and some of the end scenes in Phantom Menace. And they said, let's, let's form a character around that. So that is the one. That is his master. The uh, issue one starts with uh, them battling. It actually starts with the cast of Rebels on the ghost ship. They mentioned Fulcrum. It's all kind of cool. Uh, I love some of the uh, art and design, especially early on with Zeb and Ezra, Hera, and Sabine. Sabine looks like five, ten years older in this edition here. Um, it's a good. It starts with that, and there's a flashback, and I don't want to spoil it too much for those uh, that haven't read it yet. It goes straight back to the end of the Clone Wars, and you got and you got uh, Kanan. And his master taking down some uh, uh, battle droids there, some uh, Trade Federation droids, and some uh, they're, they're fighting with some clones. They're fighting a separatist army. It's awesome. It looks the artwork's great. The artwork uh, story's done by Greg Weissman. I know that artist is Pepe Larraz, David Curiel with the colors. Uh, Mark Brooks did the excellent uh, subs- uh, regular cover. I don't have the subscription cover. Um, and there's some uh, great variants. There's been a just a bevy of great variant covers with these new Marvel comics. I suggest picking up all of them as I have tried. Just ask my credit card statement. Um, anyways, the story goes on, and, and you get some interplay with his master, Kanan, learning some things. You actually get to see him kind of getting some lessons, and he's kind of a, already kind of a Jedi who asks too many questions. Uh, there's some great stuff. There's also some interesting... Interesting play. Uh, they t- they they kind of uh, again trying to keep points and spoilers out of it, but they kind of they win a little battle here, and the people that they kind of save are like you know all right. So now the Republic and the Jedi's are here. What difference does it make from when the Separatist army was in control of us? You're all generals, and uh, it does go into um, Depa Billabob kind of complaining to. Uh, Kanan and some of the Clone War, Clone War, Clone, Clone Wars, Clone, Clone Troops. That uh, she doesn't think the Jedi. Uh, no, it's okay that they got involved with the war, but they should never have taken rank and title. And it brings up a good point. All Jedi were kind of referred to as generals. Uh, now I'm sure the, the cynics out there will say, "Well, that just started when George Lucas named Obi Wan Kenobi a General Kenobi because he fought in the Clone Wars." But that's that's the story, and that's where we go. And so uh, you go to the, the prequels, and all of uh, all the Jedi's have some of these military ranks and titles, and they're kind of leading. They have rank and title. And uh, Master uh, Jedi Knight, uh, well, I guess she is a master. Um, um, uh, Depa Billabob, I'm, I'm look, I'm reading that, going, that can't be the way to say it. Let's take a vote on that. Uh, and Depa just seems like. Uh, 
short for a deposition. We're like we're getting into legal territory. But anyways, I'm, I'm digressing again on a great point. It's a great moment where this Jedi who's training Kanan is questioning a little bit of the ways of the Jedi and what they did in the Clone Wars and what they did at the beginning and throughout the Clone Wars. Yes, maybe we should have been involved or we should have been kind of leading the, the clone troops, but we, we took rank and title and those aren't things that Jedi value. Or they shouldn't at least. There shouldn't be that kind of attachment to power and titles and rank. And that is an excellent point. And I never had thought about it in that way. So she's training Kanan. And Kanan's already a Jedi who questions things. And right away, I love the Jedi that question things. Quinlan Voss, Xyphodeus, Qui-Gon Jinn, even Jedi Knight, Jedi Master, Dooku. Yes, he, of course, was a Jedi who eventually left the Jedi Order disillusioned with what they had become. And Dooku uh, formed the Separatist Army, of course, part of uh, Darth Sidious's plan. He had by this point become Darth Tyrannus. But I kind of one of those people who believes, and this is starting an entire separate conversation that I'm sure I'll discuss one time on Jedi Alliance, but I kind of believe inadvertently and maybe even slightly intentionally, Dooku was the true father of the Rebellion. Because the Separatists, who were the bad guys from a certain point of view all the way through the Clone Wars, um, the Separatists kind of became the good guys. It's like, it's like Padme said, Anakin, Annie, have, have you ever thought that maybe we're on the wrong side? So all that kind of factors in, and here you got uh, Master Bilba around the campfire with some clone troops going, I don't think the Jedi handled this right. So it all filters into Kanan. He's, he's a Jedi of questions. And I love that. The gray area. And that means this character is going to roll out and he's going to have some big questions because Order 66 is coming. And he's going to survive it. We don't know how. One issue in, we don't know how he survives it. But he's going to. And he's going to go into hiding. And if you read New Dawn, the foreword of the prologue, kind of, it, it centered around Caleb Doom, this little uh, Jedi uh, Padawan, talking to one Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I kind of thought maybe it was like a little eight-year-old precocious Caleb Doom that survived Order 66. Uh, but by this time, issue one here, he is uh, maybe teen, early teen, pre-teen, fair to say. Um, so... Um, it's, it's a great story to come. I highly recommend Kane and the Last Padawan. And that's what I was going to pretty much do most of this episode of Spotlight Star Wars on is Kane and the comic. And that would have been it. I would have wrapped up and I would have been on with my evening. But you know what I was thinking as I was driving home to my studio here and thinking about talking about this? I wanted to talk about the problem with new. It's a great time to be a Star Wars fan. It absolutely is a great time to be a Star Wars fan. What a great year. Cannot wait for December 2015 and beyond. But I mentioned New Dawn. I mentioned Tarkin. You got Star Wars, the regular comic. You got Darth Vader. You got Princess Leia. You got Kane and the Last Padawan. You got uh, the, the one that's got, I forget the title right now. It's like Shadows of the Empire or whatever. It's, uh, uh, no, that's the other series, the Dark Horse series. It's something like that, right? You guys out there, you guys know. I wish this was live. You could tell me in the chat room now, but it's not. There's that comic coming out that takes place right after Return of the Jedi, and there's going to be more, and there's going to be more, I'm sure. The Princess Leia is a short-run five-episode uh, or issue arc, and um, look, some of it's great. Some of it, quite frankly, not so great. Does that shake my confidence for Episode Seven? 
not at all. However, there is a problem with New, and I've been trying to analyze it. I start with New Dawn. At Comic-Con this past year, me and Christian Harloff of Schmoe's No and a, a co-host of Jedi Council, uh, a big proponent of the new canon. He loves it, though he does love his Knights of the Old Republic and the Old Republic stuff that he's praying to the Dark Forces become canon. Uh, or maybe he's praying to Darth Plagueis to make those canon. Um, we both were so excited, and, and Christian was actually the one who procured me a copy of, of A New Dawn. It was an advanced copy from the AMC party. We got a, um, uh, we got a, got our hands on it, and he started reading it right away, and it starts pretty darn good, but for me, he liked it more than me, and that's fair. That's his take on it. Tiffany Smith, a host of Far, Far Away, she liked A New Dawn more than I did. Maud Garrett and I, my original co-host on Jedi Alliance, now of Jedi Council, we fell asleep reading it several times times. I still don't think Maude has finished it. I did finish it, and there were some okay things. Count Vidian was interesting. I liked Hera. Hera right away. This is a good character. Didn't have a lot to do. She did some cool things in the book, but it just, she was kind of a supporting character, and there were some other good characters in there. But I couldn't remember their names. I couldn't tell you their names. But I could tell you the name of Hera, and I could tell you the name of Kanan. Probably because they were going to be on in Rebels, of course. Um, but there's some good stuff there in New Dawn about Kanan, good stuff there a little bit, but it fell short. The writing style, maybe maybe a little bit of that, but I, I don't even think that. I think it was a little bit of the story. I think it was how you had to do the story. And then Tarkin. I like Tarkin. I was, I was ready to read Tarkin. It didn't hit a – it wasn't a home run for me, but it, it was very good. And then the Star Wars comic comes out, and it's good. Good. Not great. The Darth Vader com comic comes along, and the first two issues, awesome. The first one, some of the best Star Wars stuff I've ever seen, read, or heard. I really enjoyed it. Second one, very good. The interplay between Darth Vader and uh, the tag of the Empire, uh, the Imperial Army, there, the Imperial Navy is great. It shows Vader's kind of odd place in the galaxy and in the Empire, um, all that kind of stuff. It's kind of weird, and I love it. Uh, issue three, though. Vader's got a secret admirer that he's kind of got to use for his mission, and she's this uh, very attractive new character. Couldn't even tell you. I have to look and find the comic. I couldn't couldn't tell you her name. Um, but it comes off as odd. It comes off as weird. She even at one point says, "I'm I'm so nervous to be around you. I'm such a fan." It's, it's a little awkward. And then you got the Princess Leia comic, which to me I keep saying is the most comic booky. Of uh, the new Marvel Star Wars comics. And it doesn't mean it's bad. There's actually some really good stuff there I've mentioned before. The stuff with Akbar being on the Yavin base. The stuff with Je uh, General Jan Dodonna and Princess Leia talking about her new role and how there's kind of no true defined roles in the rebellion at this point. That stuff's a lot of good. And, and the new character of Yvonne or Ivan, whatever you want to call her, the tall, blonde, Maud Garrett looking X Wing pilot from uh, Alderaan. Uh, that's a good character. I, I'm intrigued by her right away. What's her story? She had something to kind of do with the royals. She knew Leia's uh, you know, stepmom or, or, or adopted mother uh, better than Leia did, basically. And, and uh, there's some good stuff there. But overall, the series has fallen flat a little bit for me. And then so Aftermath, I'm excited for Aftermath, but I'm, I'm a little scared now. What will it do? Will it introduce Mara Jade and Thrawn in a very uncomfortable, awkward manner? Do I even want that? I don't know. So I'm a little nervous. Not so much for Episode 7. Not so much for Force Awakens, kids. I am nervous for anything else that comes out. 
because it's it's kind of fallen short in some areas. And I'm trying to analyze why by keeping up my excitement. Because I really do believe it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan. fan. Just look at these pop vinyls hanging, hanging in my room here on the shelves here. These Star Wars pop vinyls I love to death. It's a great time to be a Star Wars fan. But some stuff is kind of missing and maybe we're all kind of afraid to say it. And I think it is the problem with new. And the problem with new, for me, as a longtime Star Wars fan who saw Return of the Jedi in the theater, saw Star Wars A New Hope wrapped and swaddled in a blanket in the back of my parents' Volkswagen van, uh, someone who has uh, grown up with this and, and has had spent many, many nights as a kid and a young adult and now as an adult dreaming of my own Star Wars stories and filling in the blanks myself in the Star Wars universe. It's a giant universe and so many blanks to fill. In doing that, and we've all done it, whether you took your action figures out into the backyard and, and, and came up with your own little fan fiction, whether, whether you sat there daydreaming, or like me as a kid, you dreamed up what Episode Seven would actually be. I was, of course, cast as Han Solo's son, naturally. We all have an idea, or all have a thought, and we all definitely have an opinion on what we know happened to these characters, with these stories, and with these blanks in the Star Wars universe. So, when a new dawn comes along, and it's kind of about a new dawn. What an amazing title. A new dawn, and it's the start of the rebellion. In my mind, I already had what that was. It was a, a group of senators, and I actually liked the stuff in Revenge of the Sith. Even the stuff you didn't see, some of the deleted scenes we got to see later of Bail Organa, Mon Mothma. Uh, you have uh, Princess Leia uh, coming out of that kind of um, line of political dissent and, and all that kind of stuff with Padme and Padme's role in it and all that stuff. I, I, was, I liked that. I didn't have a problem with that because I... I kind of envisioned that growing up. It made sense based on some of the stories that the emperor came into power and there'd be some people in the political uh, arena with him that didn't agree with him. So that made sense. Revenge of the Sith, believe it or not, actually didn't cause any problems with my inner fan fiction self. But A New Dawn did because in my mind, those senators started forming teams, started forming uh, battalions, if we will, or rebel cells, and, and they built it up, and there was armies, and there were spaceships, and there was big fights, and they struck from secret hidden rebel bases. They say that in the opening crawl of Star Wars A New Hope. They say all this stuff. Instead, what we get with New Dawn is some outlaws, uh, some, 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 some scoundrels, uh, a former Jedi, uh, a Twi'lek, who now we know had something to do with, or her father had something to do with the Clone Wars, uh, was involved in those storylines. We had that, and it started with a lot of mining, and there was this weird kind of rich former inspector with plastic surgery who now was called Count Vidian. He basically was a was an android type of cyborg, and he's the bad guy, and there's kind of like an ugnot on their team and all this. And to me, that's not the group of people that started the rebellion. Now, in defense... This is why I always kind of defend the author, uh, which is uh, John Jackson Miller. Uh, I don't blame him. I think, he, I think he did his job. He had this story to work with. 
And he's written a lot of Star Wars stuff before, so I, I have no doubt he knows the universe, canon or not. But for me, that wasn't it. New Dot, that's not how my rebellion started. Now, later on, we've kind of learned as you watch Rebels, the TV show Rebels, it's kind of, now you got kind of what I wanted. The cells, uh, different rebel cells. I love the idea that Hera explains that there's different rebel cells that don't know each other, so there's plausible deniability if you get captured by the uh, Empire. I love that stuff. The problem was when Rebels started the animated series, this wasn't my rebellion. Again, it wasn't about some kid Ezra who stole fruit on some planet called Lothal and some Zeb Cockney French... Or French and Cockney don't go together. Some Cockney character who's supposed to be this big alien monster and he's, he's sounding like he's in a pub waiting for an Oasis concert to start. No, that wasn't my rebellion. But the show, the reason I'm on board now, if I'm being honest with you, the Star Wars fans listening, the reason I've grown to like Rebels... The animated series, especially at the end, with some of the return of a very important character, is it because it fit into my fan fiction version of what I believed started the rebellion. So Disney and Lucasfilm are at that disadvantage. They have to make every one of us happy and content that our versions of the story sync up with their now calling the actual story. Tarkin was good. I like a lot about Tarkin. That's a great novel, and what a character to dive into. But they spent a lot of time with his home planet and him going on this, this mission, this sojourn. He has to go as a teenager. And, well, that wasn't the story I envisioned for Tarkin. But it is the story, and I think they told it very well. But here I am, kind of unhappy with it on some level. I give that book a B plus, and I love James... That author, James Lucino, is one of my all-time favorite sci-fi and Star Wars writers. He wrote frickin' Darth Plagueis, one of my favorite Star Wars books. Christian Harloff isn't the only one who loves Darth Plagueis. But I had a slight problem with Tarkin. The Star Wars comic that came out, the new official regular Marvel one, it has some great stuff in it. The first issue's really damn good. But it ends, and, and if you haven't read it yet, this is a slight spoiler, but I need to discuss it. It ends, the first issue ends with Luke Skywalker and his little blue lightsaber out, and Darth Vader with his big Sith red lightsaber out, and they're about to duel. Now, it doesn't quite happen, and it's key, because Vader recognizes the lightsaber as his own, and actually says out loud, or says in his own thoughts, Obi-Wan, what did you do? You, that's my lightsaber, dude. Why does that kid have my lightsaber? What's going on? Now, I like that. I like that. But the reason I didn't really flip for the first issue is because Luke facing off with Vader mere weeks, maybe months at the most, following the destruction of the Death Star did not fit into my story. Luke doesn't face Vader. He doesn't pull his lightsaber out in front of Darth Vader until Empire Strikes Back. We all know that, right? Well, now Disney and Lucasfilm are saying, no, it happened here. Well, that didn't fit into my narrative, so that's why I kind of had problems with it. Once again, Marvel, Disney, Lucasfilm at a disadvantage telling the story. This Darth Vader, the Darth Vader series, I'm still very much, I'm very much on board with all of this, but the Darth Vader series of comics, spectacular. What a start. Love it. Love what they got going on. But the third issue didn't fit into my story. 
Vader doesn't find some hot young female who's a quote-unquote fan of his to work with. That didn't happen. He worked with Boba Fett, right? That's why the first issue was so good. Boba Fett's there, and Vader and Boba Fett are going to do a little dirty dealings in his search for this Skywalker kid he's hearing about. So I'm a little dubious to it now. Then the Princess Leia one. It ends right after A New Hope. Right after A New Hope. Excuse me, it begins. It, it, it begins right after New Hope and the medal ceremony. Literally seconds after New Hope fades to black and we're cheering in the theaters in 1977. The story you're reading now is the seconds after that. If the story had continued, if the cameras had still kept going. And I didn't really like that. I liked that idea. When it started, I went, ooh, we're okay. I'm on board here. But then immediately goes to some X-Wing pilots kind of talking crap about Princess Leia and her stone heart not being too sad about the Alderaan. And it's a it's a plot device, and it works, and it, and it kind of you know works later on. But it, initially, it, it just didn't seem right, and now Leia's going on a secret mission, and it's all about Alderaan. Again, that wasn't my story. It wasn't the story I've been telling myself since I was eight or nine. Kane in the last Padawan that was working. It's because I had no clue in my mind about what this story would be. They introduced Kanan, and I had no pre preconceived notions because I'm learning along with them who Kanan is. And that's not fair to Disney Lucasfilm. That's not fair. And we as fans got to work through this problem with new. It is a big universe. There's so many characters. Do you want to consistently see the same characters in their backstories? Do we want a Yoda standalone movie uh, that talks about his uh, origin? Do we want a Han Solo standalone movie? Maybe. I'm a huge star Han Solo fan. I don't know if I need to hear his story at 12 years old. And I'm so glad a 12-year-old Han didn't make it in the prequels as we hear was planned. Uh, do I need a Boba Fett standalone movie that's his origins? Uh, no, I don't. I kind of saw Daniel Logan playing that in the prequels, and it wasn't the best thing because, again... It kind of didn't fit into what I believed, what I had told myself who Boba Fett was, but I was okay with it. I don't need to see more than that. I actually think that's one of the best moments of the prequels is young Boba grabbing his helmet of his uh, decapitated dead father, Django. It's a bitter, bittersweet's not even a word. It's just a bitter, sad moment with this beautiful, heartaching shot. It's one of the best moments of the prequels, whether or not I totally agree with the Django Fett, Boba Fett storyline. So I don't, in my mind, I don't need a Boba Fett origin. The universe is big. I do want new characters. And they hit with Kanan. I think they hit with Hera, too. We're going to see more about Hera. I like Sabine, and I've grown to like Zeb, maybe Ezra, and, I, and I've grown to like, I've grown to like Chopper the Fart Bot. I said it. The problem with the prequels. It all factors into this. The problem with the prequels, forget execution. Execution was bad. And, and I've grown to appreciate and can get to a place where I can just watch the prequels for what they are. And like I said, there's some great Star Wars moments in those prequels. I've said that on Jedi Alliance. We did the Defending the Prequels episode with Joseph Scrimshaw. And, and I stand by all that. I also stand by the fact that the prequels technically weren't good movies. And I think it was an overall misfire. But I think the big reason it was an overall misfire is that George Lucas had mentioned these clone wars. These ancient clone wars that they talk about. General Kenobi, you served my father years ago in the clone wars. We... 
we heard about. Then if you read the Star Wars novelization, they talk about the Journal of the Wills, which is kind of where the original story kind of came out, and it was going to be a character, perhaps a droids, maybe, who knows, Chewbacca telling the story. Uh, to someone else about uh, there's a story of the, these uh, Star Wars these Luke Skywalker characters as as told in the Journal of the Wills. If you read that, uh, it it spoke of how Emperor Palpatine came to power and, and and surrounded himself with people that kind of corrupted his mind. It wasn't necessarily the dark side of the Force. It wasn't this plan from this guy Plagueis or anything like that that we've uh, come on to learn. The the, the foreword says that. Palpatine surrounded himself with people that kind of poisoned his mind, and politically he turned into something bad. So all that has been kind of flowing around in my brain since 1983. So when the prequels come out in 99, the the trailer hits, you didn't know what you were seeing, and it's a great trailer. It's one of the all-time best movie trailers. I still want to see that movie. The problem was when the movie starts, you're like, no, no. This isn't what I planned for the Star Wars prequels my entire life. This isn't what I did. No, George, this, you're not you're not matching my story. That's not fair to George Lucas. It's really not. When you break it down, that ain't fair to George Lucas. That ain't fair to Disney. It ain't fair to Lucasfilm. How do we correct the problem? I don't know. Free your mind and the rest will follow. Sing it in Vogue. I think they were singing about something different. I don't think in Vogue was singing about Star Wars when they sang about freeing your mind. Um, that's the challenge we have as Star Wars fans. As a wrap-up episode three here of Spotlight Star Wars on the Napsuck Files podcast feed. How do we as fans get over this problem with new? How do we just let the stories flow out from Disney and Lucasfilm from people that we as fans trust, and if you don't, you should. Simon Kingberg knows how to tell Star Wars stories. Dave Filoni knows how to tell Star Wars stories. Even George Lucas knows how to tell Star Wars stories. When do we just stop and trust what is told and trust what they do and use to fill in those blanks in this very large universe? How do we get over a problem with new. That's our challenge as Star Wars fans. If you haven't already, pick up Kane in the Last Padawan. Pick up all these comics. Form your own opinion. Read New Dawn. Maybe you like it, and maybe I'm the a-hole. Maybe you love Tarkin. Maybe you don't. You can always join the conversation for this one on Twitter by following me at Ken Napsok, K-E-N-N-A-P-Z-O-K. It's a good Russian Circassian name. Follow me on Twitter. Join the conversation. And uh, catch Jedi Alliance live every week on the Popcorn Talk Network. We do it every Monday, 2 p.m. PST, but the show's on YouTube. The show's on iTunes. You can find it there and enjoy it at your leisure. We have a Facebook page for the Jedi Alliance. We also are on Twitter at Jedi underscore Alliance and on Instagram as well. Jedi Alliance, I'm on Instagram too. Do you want to see my stupid pictures? You can go to Instagram at Ken Napsuck. Join the conversation. Follow all of that. And this is the Knapsack Files podcast feed. It has merged and morphed over this last year. And again, like I always say, thank you for coming along on the journey. Maybe you don't like Star Wars and you skip these. You probably wouldn't be hearing this 34 minutes into this episode. But maybe you like the interviews I do about life, the universe, and everything. we got a lot of guests up there. Maybe you're, maybe you're here just for Alicia Malone's film school. Uh, maybe you're just here for Star Wars. There's a lot coming on this feed as I try to expand and try to expand what I do 
uh, and talking on these microphones. All right. I am enjoying finding my voice with you, the fans. Thank you so much for joining the, the journey. If you're on iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't already. Uh, as I said, follow me on all the social media sites. We are on Podomatic and Stitcher as well with this show. And big stuff coming up if you uh, kind of are listening re- in real time. This, these are released every Saturday, but uh, coming soon with the uh, return of Game of Thrones Season 5. Uh, big show, big podcast, video cast, Google Hangout. It's, it's, there's a lot of things working behind this that I can't say yet, uh, but Maud Garrett, Tiffany Smith and myself, and many others will be talking Game of Thrones. Uh, right now the show is called The Night is Dark, but we've had some naming issues because there's 42 million Game of Thrones podcasts out there, and it's hard to find a name that isn't taken. So right now the show is called The Night is Dark, but stay tuned. Follow all of us on Twitter to get the information on that. I have talked too long. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. I am Ken Namsuck. So, until next time, may the force, what what do they say, go alongside you? I'm not sure. I think it's a great General Jen Dodonna said, may the force be with you.